When the audience is growing on your podcast every single week, you realize that that means that there are more of you joining every single week, which is so exciting for the One Together podcast because it's still such early days and it means that you're loving each guest that's coming through and they're all being selected specifically so that you feel like you're less alone in whatever you're going through. So that means you're really liking it. And on top of that, we're getting so many amazing comments and questions and emails and you guys just rule. You're so creative and thinking outside the square and it's just unreal to see all of that correspondence coming through to us here at the One Together podcast. And I just said correspondence and that made me sound like a news anchor. So (laughs) I'm going to cut that out wherever it started from. So look, if you are one of our little newbies joining us this week, g'day. Welcome. I'm your host, Heather Maltman, and each week we bring you an awesome guest, whether they're a celebrity or an everyday person, just like you and me, who has been through something in their life, whether it's positive or negative, and we just share our stories in the hopes of creating more connection or even the possibility of you realizing that you are not alone in whatever you're going through. Everyone has their thing. It's about how you face that thing and come out the other side. So why don't you grab some carpet or a hot chockey and a wine, maybe the sneakers and a pair of headphones, and let's get into this week's guest. How do I explain to you this week's guest? Hmm. Have you ever seen the movie Candy? It's the one that stars Heath Ledger, and it's about a young man who gets his girlfriend addicted to heroin, and then she just slowly ruins her life. Okay, if you haven't, you should see it because it's amazing. But this week's guest, Dallas Stone, is like the love child of a real-life candy couple. I mean, his parents could have been the movie. So if you've ever dated someone like Dallas or myself who have come from, like, really tough childhoods and have no idea how to help your partner or maybe you are that family friend or relative trying to help the kids or even a co-worker to someone who is suffering and you don't know how to help, maybe you're even... Maybe you're even the person who's currently struggling with addiction and you need a really strong reason to move on from it. Well, we have an inside story right here. We talk about what it was like literally being born a heroin baby and how he became the man he is today. He is an athlete in his own right, a mental health fighter and an everyday person just like you and me. He joins me with his beloved girlfriend, Lucy, for moral support who is one of the smartest women I think I have ever met, not to mention sassy. She has good sass. So I really hope that you enjoy this week's conversation as we talk about some really tough topics. I love you, Dallas. You are an amazing man. I'm so lucky I met you. The following podcast contains strong coarse language and adult themes, a discussion around alcohol and drug abuse. The topic of mental health may come up, and if you are experiencing any of these concerning topics, please contact a medical professional or Lifeline on 13 11 14. Um, and you heard myself and Miles and Sel doing their podcast together. Yeah. We talked around, geez, we talked about everything that day. We talked about mental health. We talked about race. We talked about yep. fucking money, finance, life, yep. children, babies, blah. Um, and you reached out to me on Instagram. So where where does your story begin? Or is it kind of one of those things where you're like, how do you even begin explaining the shit that I've been through? Like, Yeah. 
on a scale of one to fucked up, where are we sitting here? Um, <laughs> at the at the moment, a lot of blessed, but um, if we go back, it's pretty fucked up. Yeah, right. yeah pretty fucked up. So, um, yeah, well, I guess I had the, um, you know, I had the opportunity. I, I get around the boys. Like I get around any of my friends who do anything, whether mm. it be creative or anything like that, I get around them, whether they open up a cafe or anything like that. I support my friends because, you know, they tend to action a lot of things that I think about and I just have that in the highest regard because, you know, yeah. I, like most human beings, I have a massive fear of failure and I have a massive fear of success as well, um, which is yeah. all coming to to light and to surface um, after years and years of repressing things and just sabotage mm. and whatever else. But Oh, sabotage, preach. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, so, I, that as people. so I guess, you know, my story, you know, stems from, um, you know, a very, very broken, you know, fucked up family um, and not only what I went through but, you know, now having forgiveness for my parents, I'm realising what their story is as well and what they've been through. Um, what was their story? Um, you know, my dad uh, ended up in, in prison very, very young, um, wrong place, wrong time um, and I guess his way of dealing with that situation is was you know drug abuse so heroin mm. was very big through through that era and um and it got a real stronghold of my dad and to be honest with you he's like mid 50s almost 60 almost 60s now and he's still alive I'm like fuck you should be given a medal because you've abused drugs for like 40 years or something and you're still fucking alive wow 40 yeah. years oh yeah plus yeah so um and wow. just and just a stronghold and this is where the mental health stuff comes into it right like yeah. I look at it and I go you've you just don't have the tools and the world that I live in to be able to go, right, I can't keep doing this to myself and banging my head against the wall. Mm -hmm. um, it's just the constant, you know, the circle of life for him. Um, you know, get clean, start doing well. Something good happens or something bad happens, doesn't know how to, to embrace it. So sabotage, 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 Jeez. sabotage. Um, same with my same with my mum as well. Um, yeah. You know, obviously my mum became a substance abuser from my dad. Um, oh, so she got hooked on it. Yeah, when she met yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's so, like Candy the movie. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's just like a lifetime yeah. of heartbreak. On oh, yeah. No. So I um yeah I was yeah born a heroin baby. Um, I died at birth, like from my umbilical cord being wrapped around my head, oh, around shit. my neck. So from day one. I was a fucking survivor yeah. and I have survived and I'm still surviving and, and now it's it's starting to be a lot more fruitful and a lot better. So does that mean that when you were born you had to go through the process of coming down off drugs? Then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because she would have used while she was yeah. pregnant then? Yeah, yeah, oh. Holy shit. Yeah, so that, um, then obviously the, the birth complications. Um, yeah. Lucky I was just a big, strong baby. Well, yeah, I mean you're a giant man. <laughs> You are a man mountain. I mean, Lucy, do you just climb him? Like, <laughs> she does. Like, I will conquer this man yeah, yeah, mountain. She, she, got, she got me good. Um, so I guess that's just been day one for me, um, you know, and it's quite weird because from day one mm. I never thought that I belonged in the environment that I was in. I mm. Like I could remember it at such a young age just yeah. looking around it, you know, the best that they could do going, fuck, I 
the wrong parents have taken me. Like uh, my real parents are out there somewhere. I've been taken, um, you know, like mm. I, my parents did the best that they could um, and that's what I'm starting to learn now, that they yeah. could only do the best with the tools that they had. Yeah, of course. But, you know, my childhood consisted of obviously, you know, both of my parents using, being stuck using, um, bouncing around, being evicted between places, um, my mum, you know, being smacked out or like caught for theft and not picking me up after school, like constant, like all I wanted to do was have normalities, go to school, you know, whatever else. Like I think in year one and year two, mm-hmm. I think I had like 92, 95 days off school each because they weren't, they couldn't get me to school and even when they got me to school, they couldn't even pick me up. Yeah. Um, so, you know, as I'm going on, I'm realising a lot of things that I get triggered to and I get, you know, pissed off about. Like, for instance, when Luce was overseas, like it was just, there was no homeostasis for me. Like it was just, everything was just out of whack, crazy. I couldn't go to bed at the normal bedtime that I'd go to. My whole, my whole like just normality of life and homeostasis was gone because she wasn't there. And then even to the point where, you know, if Luce gets her nails done or her hair done in the in the nighttime and we're not sitting down at dinner or whatever else, I get the worst anxiety and mm. anxiety leads to, to anger and going through this journey now, like what I'm going through, I can mm. sit, now sit down with it and go, hey, it's actually not you. You haven't done anything wrong. I actually haven't done anything wrong. It's just that I have these abandonment issues from being <laughs> not picked up at school. My mum fucking smacked out in the toilet somewhere or, you know, in a, in a you know, in a, police fucking cell because she'd stolen something Jeez. off her head on heroin. So that was, you know, connecting the dots. Mm. Um, even on my birthday, like on my birthday, mm. you know, we woke up in the morning and Lucy's up at like five and she's like, it's your birthday. Do you want a coffee? I'm like, oh, fuck, it's my birthday. I don't want to do this. Yeah. Um, and I'd said to her like, you know, no presents. And I woke up and she's got this big smile on her face and a coffee in her hand and a table full of presents. And I was just instantly angered. Wow. I was so angry and then I opened up the first present and it was like, my fucking orange shirt. I'll never wear a fucking orange shirt. I brought her to tears and then I, I had to check oh. myself and go. Where did the anger come dude. from? What was it? Was there like a, was there a significance around birth? Because like I, I have a huge thing around birthdays. I really struggle with them as well. Yeah. So um, putting one and one together, what I'd come to realise is that you know, birthdays had been a long, a long time of just shit. Yeah. It was a crap feeling. There was no, I hated my birthday. I've always had my birthday. I had my birthday too. So, um, yeah. so when, you know, the presents, her excitement and everything, um, it wasn't until I, you know, kind of reduced her to tears that it was like, okay, dude, what, what's Whoops. going on here? Mm. Um, and I just actually didn't know how to receive love. I didn't know how to receive gifts. I didn't know how to accept it and receive it. So, you know, it brings me to anxiety. Anxiety leads to the reptilian side of the brain, which is like instant anger. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how I deal with most things when it creates anxiety with me, which then flashes back to, okay, being here for you know 34 years and, you know, 33 years of them has been shit when it comes to that 12th of October. Yeah. <laughs> and now you've got this like... <laughs> beautiful, loving person who just wants you to be so happy and be spoiled with love um, and you don't know how to accept it. Yeah, totally. So you, you, your first instant reaction is to is to just get angry. Fire up, man. You're, oh, sorry, banging the mics. Um, yeah, you're totally reminding me of like 
Because growing up, I mean, I my parents, well, from what I know, my mother didn't have a drug addiction or anything like that, but I'll, nev- I'll probably never really know if she did or not. But having a mental illness, there would be whole years where she'd just completely forget that my birthday was even a thing. Mm. And, you know, the next thing you know, we'd be running down the street, my sister and I, to go to the dollar shop just to pick up a couple of little things so that I had something on my birthday to unwrap. Yeah. And like yourself, I don't know if you've done this and maybe this is just a crazy thing that I did. I decided um, about 10 years ago, 15 years ago, that I was going to make a rule for myself that on my birthday it wasn't a birthday unless you had a cake and you had presents because then it was a real day to celebrate. So it was kind of a thing that I'd do with my sister and then when I started dating I did that on their birthdays. No matter what, every time they had a birthday I'd always make sure they had something to unwrap even if it's just one thing and it's small and it's not a very expensive thing. And then they always had cake and it was funny. The guys that I dated didn't know that I'd made that rule and so when it came time for my birthday, if they didn't do those things, I would flip out. I would do the opposite mm. to what you did. So yeah. I'd get mad because there was no cake. Yeah. And they didn't understand why I was so emotional. I just looked like I was being this brat. But in actual fact, it was coming from this place yeah. of like, you don't understand the rules that I've set for mm. myself so that I can handle having a birthday. Yeah. And then otherwise, other years, I just forget that it was even coming up. Like most times, I can't even remember when my birthday is. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Someone like, has to tell me. Very, very similar. But that's that's one thing that I really loved about your story was just um, – like very, very similar but on different kind of scales, you know what I mean? Mm. Like, you know, like I, you know, I watched my my parents be, you know, so controlled by – and even at an early age, like I'm talking like four and five, I was like I knew something wasn't right. I was going to say and what age did you yeah. look at your life <clears throat> and go – Something's not right here. There's always mm, one age and it yeah. it defi- it ends up defining you. Yeah. It ends up defining the way you um, structure your brain pathways. Yeah. What yeah. was it that happened? Can you remember? Like that um, made you go? I think it was the first time that I I walked in on them actually shooting up. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Like it was. Um, oh, wow. We lived in a place in, I think it was in Windsor at the time. And um, and I just really remember walking in and like my, like my mum had a, like a needle in her arm it was like the butterfly needle with like the hose into the syringe. Um, and, uh, and like because obviously when someone's like you can't come in here and you can't, like human reaction is to go, no, I want to know. I want to go Yeah, yeah, what's, what's, yeah. What's, what's, what's happening here, what's Especially happening Especially when it sounds kind of panicked, I imagine yeah, she would have had yeah. quite a panicked tone and yeah. as a young boy you want to well, protect your mother. Yeah, yeah. Kind of. Well, no, I just wanted to know what was going on. Yeah, right. um, yeah. You're just being a curious little yeah, bitch. Yeah, but like my whole childhood was just plagued with like, you know, like McDonald's and like just it was just fucking craziness. Like like my my idea, my, my parents' idea was that if they gave me Nintendos and Mega Drives and because obviously my mum was just a professional thief. <laughs> so yeah, she, right. I had like the best of, and then my dad was a drug dealer as well. So wow. I kind of like had this surreal world where I lived in, it was fucked up, but I had like motorbikes and Nintendos and whatever else through that good period yeah. where they, you know, they might get clean or whatever else. But then you come home from school one day and the lights don't turn on, you go to you know, play your game console and it's not there and you're yeah, just right. like, I knew it instantly. I was just like, okay, so something, something's happened to you. Okay. Um, so that's, you know, I guess that's where you build the defence mechanisms. You get angry and. Was it quite scary like going back to that time when you first saw your mum 
using, I guess, was it quite scary to watch the drugs take effect? Like were you there for that phase when the person goes from being, you know, with you and current mm. to suddenly like going into their own reality from yeah. the yeah. narcotics? Yeah, like I, I experienced that when I was supposed to be at school and we were at, you know, Miranda Fair and my mum like would go to the toilet and have a hit and be fucking smacked out and I'd, in a cubicle and she'd be locked in the cubicle because she was like non-responsive. Yeah, because she couldn't. And I'm not standing at the front of a toilet for, you know, sometimes hours waiting for her wow. to kind of come to and collect a kid. From For someone who maybe isn't um, as aware of the effects of drugs, what is something that you could like what is a movie or a life event that you could relate it to? Like I like my personal experience from drugs, like I I haven't taken them, I don't do drugs, but like growing up in housing commission, I saw it quite a lot. Yeah, same. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I my my thing that I always say to people, if you don't know the effects of drugs, but you don't want to have to ever experiment with it yourself, which please don't, because it's not worth it. Requiem for a dream. Yeah. When I watched that movie for the first time, it ruined me because it was so crazy accurate to what I saw living yeah. in housing commission. Yeah. I don't know if you had the same moment. Um, there's a couple of movies that, that like, really, like, touch me from that perspective. Blow is one of them. Oh, yeah, yeah. You, you watch because, like, in some way, shape or form, like, from mm. my perspective, like, riches to rags on a constant, like, not yeah. from a, a mansion point of view and whatever else, but, like, as I said, like, having motorbikes and stuff like that. Like, I was, I was pretty spoilt as a child and I think because they gave me these materialistic things, they're, like, and fed me McDonald's so I had Happy Meals and Sundays every fucking night um, and all, like, they, they thought they were doing their part. It's all yeah, right. He's, so, he's, yeah. okay. he's okay. Like, it's all sweet. So yep. um, uh, the fighter, the Mickey Ward story, his brother, like, who's the heroin addict and just can't, like, yeah. Yeah. there's just certain traits about oh, yeah. Dicky where uh, it's just like I see a lot of my dad, like, he, he, he's got a beautiful heart and a big heart and he cares but he's just fucking so cracked out of his head. Like, he just, he can't do anything to save himself. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, there, there is, like, certain things that I will see um, that just will trigger me. Yeah. Like for for sure. So, did you ever get in, into the drug world at all? Um, yeah, I did. Like, I, I I was pretty against it until I turned eighteen, and I guess then I was not. I wasn't a bad footballer. I was actually pretty good. Um, but I just I I was just so sabotaging of myself that I would just you know not turn up or you know do something to get sent off or whatever else. So going through that phase of my life, just the environment that I was in, it was just like ecstasy was such a big thing. Mm-hmm. And if I took the drugs and partied, then I wouldn't have to play football the next day. So it was like, sorry, guys, I've been on a vendor. Like it's just yeah. – um, but for me it was like I could I could go on like, you know, a couple of days or whatever else, yep. but for some reason like as soon as like the birds started chirping, the sun come up, I'd smoke bomb and I'd go home and I'd just – Pound water so hard, sleep, feed my feed my body good food, and be like, okay, cool, you've gotten through that part. You didn't have to play football, or you didn't have to shop for that, or you know whatever I was. Do you think that's self sabotage, or do you think that's actually more just your mind's way of trying to cope with what you've been through? Like, I mean, there's there's people who self sabotage. I definitely agree with that, but yeah. I think you might be being a little bit hard on yourself, man. I mean, you've literally come, <laughs> you've literally come into the world already at a loss. Like, yeah. let's just be real about that. Yeah. 
and to come into the world at a loss where you're constantly trying to play catch up like your your brain had to come down off of one of the strongest narcotics a person yeah. can put in their body and you didn't even get a choice in whether or not that was happening to yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, to come into a world where there's already that going on, then constantly going through that up and down motion of life of whether or not something's going to be good or bad. I mean, fuck, if I were you, I I would have thrown it out the window and just hidden as well because yeah. at least then you don't have to deal with the fact that let's say you do have a good football game. Great. There's also the possibility that you can have a really bad football game and then you could potentially have another good one. and. Mm. Not knowing when it's going to be good or bad can be really terrifying. That was that was really frustrating for people around me because I had like such natural talent to probably do anything, regardless mm. of rugby league or surfing or whatever else. Um, the people around me, because obviously they didn't know the depths, because I held, I had I hit it pretty well. Like most people yeah. just thought I came from a normal family and yeah, I've had what, the same thing. Whatever it's so else, yeah. yeah, yeah. You become too good at actor. Yeah, yeah. great actor. <laughs> yeah, a couple of couple of Golden Globes in an Academy. Yeah, um, uh, yeah. Like I guess it's more frustrating for the people around you because they're just like, "What the fuck's wrong with you, man?" Like mm. you've got something that a lot of people like. Now, Luce works really hard for everything where I can kind of like see it once and be able to do it. Yeah. Um, and that's, I guess it was frustrating and then watching them be disappointed then made it even worse for Yeah, me. but then you have the flip side of that where you tell someone what's really going on, you let them know what's actually happening for you, then they freak the fuck out and yeah. look at you like you're an alien and you're <laughs> yeah. like, what do you want from me, man? What do you want from me? You want yeah, me to tell yeah, you what's really going on? Because yeah. here's the deal. Here's yeah. what's really going on at home. Here's all the issues. And then they look yeah. at you like, I didn't know you were going to tell the truth. Yeah. <laughs> what do I do with that information? Yeah. Well, so, well like, I don't know, like, it, like my world has just been, like I've been so grateful in a lot of ways. Like, you know, when when my parents, you know, my mum finally left my dad, um, you know, my dad told me that my mum had ran out on us and he moved us to the Gold Coast and he did, he did his absolute best. Like he was, you know, clean for ages, did really well, but like, so, you know, all that stuff leading up to, you know, eight years old and then mm. and then mum not wanting me anymore and then moving away and then, like, you know, getting to the Gold Coast and having my my life on the Gold Coast till I was 15. Um, it was crazy. But, like, I went to I went to Kiber Park High School, which is kind of a school of, you know, really talented degenerates. Mm. Um, <laughs> like, if I could sum it <laughs> Such up. An yeah, interesting yeah. way of looking yeah, at it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, uh, you know, very well-known um for rugby league, a lot of good rugby league players come out of there. Right. Um, I used to walk myself, fuck, like a good like fifteen k's. But I was the like I was the type of I wanted to go to school. Yeah, I wanted to go to school, and because I'd missed so much crucial skill, like my even my handwriting now is horrendous. Oh yeah, Lucy constantly um, is always on me about, but I like I want to learn, like the, you know, there, there, and there, you know, the twos. Um, you know, like I, I'm still picking up stuff that you learn in year three. Oh, yeah, I couldn't tell the time until I was 16. I didn't even know how to read a, the face of a watch. I was yeah. like, what do you mean? Like, what do you mean the small hand counts minutes? <laughs> <laughs> Why is the other one ticking so fast? Yeah, yeah. It really yeah. blew my head open. I was like, yeah. I, I don't know how to do this. And then they give you the clock face. We had to like draw on the clock, 310. And yeah. I was 16 going, <laughs> yeah, 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 100%. Like, I, so I, stressful. And it was crazy because I wanted to be there. And then when I was mm. there, I had all this anxiety of the stuff that was trying to keep that up was and, going, that was going oh, outside. Man. And yeah. then I've been labelled, you know, ADHD. So I'm sitting there going, fuck, I can't sit here. Can't, <laughs> what the f- I can't sit here. 
yeah. throw a piece of paper at the teacher or, you know, pee, yeah. pee shoot someone or fucking throw a textbook at someone's head. Or, oh, pee shooters. Yeah, yeah. That takes yeah. me back. <laughs> so, you know, here's this kid who's just like craving for normality and, you know, homeostasis and to be in an environment where it's, you know, it's comfortable and secure. And um, But then when I was in it, I, I still couldn't do it because mm. of, there was just so much going through my head, like, yeah, like it was, it was pretty crazy. Like, especially oh, like yeah. going into, going from primary school into high school. Like, high, primary school leading to high school was like probably the real stable years of my life. My dad had, my dad had met an ex junkie. That's a real good fucking good, good on your dad. Uh, shout out to my dad. Dad, um, you know, no dad. And, and they and they did like we did really well. Um, you know, we had. You know, house and it was normal. Bills were paid. Dad went to work every day. Um, I went to school. She was a fucking lunatic. She became an, an alcoholic, and oh she's a whole other story. But mm. um, but then it was like they when they started fighting it was like, oh, for year. What was I in year eight? Yeah, it would have been year eight or year nine. So first first or second year of high school in, in Queensland, mm-hmm. um, and then it just all went to shit. So it was like, all right. You start drinking, so I'm going to buy a bag of speed. And then, all right, you buy speed, I'm buying heroin. Okay, now we're both doing heroin. And then, you know, lights went out, Yeah. eviction notices. Um, and I was just so blessed that I had the best friends in the world. Like I, I had a group of friends that, you know, as I said, like we're all degenerates. Talented degenerate. Isn't that funny how, like, <laughs> you go to school with, like, a bunch of really well-to-do, like, because I went to this school for a while and, like, everyone there was ex- incredibly well-to-do and um, most of the time I was paying to put myself through high school and I was broke as fuck because it was private school. And it was funny going to the private school because they say, like, you should go to private school, it's better education, it's better for the children, blah, 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 they learn more, they get more out of it. That school was hell. It was absolute bullshit. Like yeah. I got teased so bad that the teachers actually suggested that I should leave. Yeah. My mother worked in the bookshop and everyone knew that she was batshit crazy. Yeah. And so I got teased even more and it got to a point where That's I was fine. like, oh, God, just don't worry about it, I'll go. Yeah. And then ended up going to this school, Windaroo, which is like near Logan. I'm sure yeah. you know Logan. Good yeah. old. Yeah, props to Logan. Do what yeah. you can. Shout out to Logan. Yeah, well, look, <laughs> I made it. You can make it too. Yeah. Um, And I ended up going there and I finished high school just and I had a much better education there because so many of the kids there came from similar backgrounds to me. Like there was one girl that was in year 12, she was pregnant and they were helping her actually finish school and try and have a child. And then I think in year 11, the well, I was in year 12, he was in year 11, but he'd been kept back because um, he was struggling with school. But his dad had passed away and... His mother was trying to raise both him and his brother and she was doing the best that she could and it's like the the principal was just always trying to support the kids and because all the kids had a fucked up background, they all sort of came together yeah. and really wanted to help each other. Yeah. And I, I actually look back at these private school kids and most of them aren't really doing anything with their lives now. Mm. The kids that I went to Windaroo with, they're mm. actually doing more. They're... They're feisty motherfuckers, man. They will go. Yeah. They don't care. They will do anything yeah. to get ahead and it's like... I don't know. I feel like there's something to that. Like, well, that kind of leads me into the next part of the journey. Um, you know, shout out to Matt Stephenson, his dad. His dad actually owned the Gold Coast Cabs, so oh, <laughs> they, props. they they took me in and like they were, like yeah. Kev Kev would say to me like Matt's dad would be he would look after me and mm. he'd be like, oh Dallas, do you want to stay for dinner? Dallas, 
do you want do you want to stay tonight? We can wash your school clothes and I'll take you your mat to school tomorrow. Um, until Matt got caught smoking pot and he had, he had no. to go to Aquinas, so fuck, fuck you, <laughs> Matt. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I still stayed with them. Um, yeah. But like they, like Kevin knew like what I was going through, but, you know, he was like, he just, I know what you're going through, kid, I'm not going to talk to you about it, but my door's here and you've yeah, always got always a place open. here. Yeah, yeah. Um, and That's that, cool. Yeah, it was awesome, yeah. And we, you know, we had a band of, we had a band of friends that, Super close, super tight. You know, Keeper was a pretty tight school, and um, but yeah, just like fucking craziness all the time. Like it was just everything was always cyclonic um, mm. it, through those eras. And then um, I actually did the opposite to you. So my auntie came back from from um, my mum's sister came back from England and was just like, "Where the fuck's Dallas? We gotta find him." Like I'm fifth, I'm fifteen now, fourteen mm. now. So from eight years old to fourteen, just nah. From you know one side of my family, oh, shit. actually from both sides of my family, I was yeah. just on the Gold Coast with no one, mm. um, but just to survive, so doing my best. And you know, then out of the blue, you know, my auntie ends up finding me, and she's like, "I want you to come back to Sydney. I'm going to put you into a good school. You know, you deserve better." And um, mm. you know, little did I know that she just fucking fought breast cancer, going through her own shit and whatever else. So I guess when I actually caved and gave into it and thought, you know, I've got to, I've got to do something better with my life. Um, not that my life was bad on the Gold Coast, but it was probably the best decision I'd ever made for, for myself was, mm. was, was saying yes and getting on that plane. Mm. Um, first plane trip too. Uh, so that's good. <laughs> <laughs> you always remember your first time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So, and then I went to, um, I got enrolled to a, a school called De La Selle Cronulla. So I went to a private school in Cronulla. Mm. Um, my how scary is it going to a private school for the first time when all you've known is shit? Um, yeah. You walk through the doors and everyone's got these like perfect outfits no, on, and you're just like, No, I had to. What? I had to go through a, an interview oh. process. Um, so our principal was an ex Sharks player, yeah. big, heavy, strong man, John Maguire. Shout out to John Maguire. You're a fucking legend. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, Johnny Mags like opened up my file, um, just sitting there with Marnie and, and I and. He's just like, look, kid, I'm going to be honest with you. You, we'd have to put you back to, you can't even qualify for this school. So DLS Hill Cronulla was a year 11 and 12 co-ed. Um, you had DLR Carringbar, which was, you know, seven to 10 boys, OLMC, which was the girls. Um, and then, mm. you know, you kind of went to higher, it's called a higher school. So you just year 11 and 12 um, to, to, to finish school. <laughs> yeah. oh. Do they all walk yeah. around with really lovely accents? <laughs> no, no, they <laughs> don't. They're, on they're still from Cronulla. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, so he said, look, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. Like mm. you obviously want better for your life. You know, you've got your auntie here who wants better for you and has chosen this and, you know, you've, Got a pretty decent, you know, decent resume with with football. You know, I'm an ex Sharks player. Um, we've got a really good football program here. Mm. Um, you know, we link straight into the Sharks and whatever else. Right, Liz? Mm. Yeah. But it's not. Yeah. Yeah. I've just pick a, been pick a up being sick. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Did you get it out? Yeah. No, yeah. I was just don't cough it up. <laughs> damn boogers. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. so I find myself, you know, like, wow, and you had to drop. So much money on our school before. <laughs> yeah. So much, and um, and I had to catch a train to school every day. So yeah. like, uh, like we lived at Warrenora, and um, 
So I had a bus trip to Sutherland Station, which was like 15, 20 minutes and then, mm-hmm. you know, a 20-minute train ride and then, you know, five five-minute walk to school. Um, and it was just so surreal and polar to me because I'd come from, you know, Kibra, which is, you know, very degenerate, talented degenerates, yeah. um, to these fucking pompous Sutherland Shire blazer-wearing cocksuckers who get dropped off in their fucking Mercedes and, you know, three series oh. and everyone, like, you look, there's a, a parking a parking bay for the students and, like, there's all these real nice yeah. cars with red P plates on them. I'm like, yeah. what the fuck is going on here? Like, yeah. this is a joke. Um, so I made my welcome, um, you know, pretty, <laughs> pretty nice. How did you do it? Um, I was just fucking aggressive. I was like, you fucking private school fuck you don't know you don't know what shit is so um i became quite aggressive and and took a pretty you know alpha alpha stance pretty quickly and cemented myself as that guy um especially in my year group and um you know i was so deflecting of everything i didn't want to i I had these core group of of friends on the gold coast that i've been through hell with absolute hell and I'd left them. Um, we had a good friend of ours die probably about three weeks after after I'd left, and oh, it was just fucking hell. Like even that story, like they like Luke Condren, his parents owned Video Easy, super wealthy family. They lived in the penthouse of the um, the two towers across from McIntosh Island, the Purple Towers. Yeah. They owned the penthouse and one of the towers there. Super wealthy family, and with Luke's death, just flattened his brother, their parents, like their business, everything can. It was, I felt I just remember feeling so helpless and I was in this fucking pompous school and we're in a blazer and you know people are talking about shit and like you know I've left my friends in the dark and one of our good friends has died and it was a real horrible time because I just didn't want to be there but a part of me was like dude you've been wanting this for so long mm-hmm. you've been wanting the better and it's here for you you've got to take it like you've got yeah. to you've got to take it so i took it but i took it in a way where it was like robin hood and i was like i'm going to fucking take everything from these rich cunts and then i'll get <laughs> shit back from me so like you know like <laughs> yeah can i say the c word well you haven't yeah. done now. Yeah. So, sorry sorry, <laughs> sorry mum pg um oh. yeah so um and it was funny cuz my my best mate Brad from you know from from Dealer. Um shout out to Brad at Ray White Commercial at Cronulla. Um, he's, he's done real, real well for himself. You want um, to call him a C bomb as well? Uh, <laughs> oh, no. oh, regularly, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Um, you know, like I would just if he got like a new pair of shoes or like mm. like luckily for Brad and I, we were kind of the same size, same size, played the same position in footy, whatever else. Yeah. I was just bigger, stronger and better. So poor Brad kind of, you know, lived his life as the fast guy and, um, you know, the real good footballer and, you know, this jerk from, from the Queensland comes down, takes his position faster than him, takes all of his accolades away from him. Jeez. And then we became friends. Like he got, you know, Brad, you look after Dallas. Yeah, he's he was kind of like my buddy. Yeah, he's just like fuck this guy. And then yeah, we kind of end up becoming close. And um, you know, I start stealing all his shit. Like, oh, you got nice clothes. I'm gonna take them all. (laughs) 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 He actually takes my stuff now. It's it's kind of all changed. Um, But like, yeah. So for me, it was polar. But I had to. I went through something. You know, so was it was hell. It was hell with all the the guys going through Luke's death and me not being in Queensland and, 
you know, all the stuff that was happening to them, but they're all on a, on a one-way course. And, you know, I was just, I'm, I'm quite thankful for it now that I got put into that environment because it, it made me want to be better and yeah. be better just because I looked at what was around me. Yeah. I became that product of my of my environment and yeah. a reflection of the people I, I spent most of my time with. But it's so hard when you can see that you have to let go of. I don't know if you had to let go of those old friendships that you had in Queensland, but um, a lot of the people that I was friends with from Housing Commission, I had to say goodbye to as well. Yeah. Like I was, I was very similar to yourself. I had that one family that helped me out a lot as well because we, you know, there were weeks, days where we'd go without eating. There was no food. There was nothing. Yeah no clean uniforms, you know, you'd show up at school and kids just used to make fun of you because you smelled like cat piss yeah. because you actually did have a cat piss on your uniform <laughs> and you didn't yeah. know. You'd put it on and go, it's mine because you can't smell it. You're used to the smell now. Yeah. And then you get to school and everyone won't even sit next to you because yeah. they're terrified of you. Hope you're enjoying today's podcast. This is just a quick break to remind you that we love you for keeping on coming back and it's time to start thinking about how this discussion today could help someone else that you love. Now, I want you to have a think, okay? Who in your world comes to mind right now when you think about these same topics? Maybe they're not even opening up about what they're going through. And there could be a little gesture of reaching out and sending them something that you think that they might like that could help them come out of their shell. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. It's so simple and it's just discreet enough that it might actually help with that first contact because asking, are you okay, can sometimes be too much. But they're not saying anything. The person starts to feel like they're completely alone. So, you know, if you just sent them maybe an episode of the podcast that you thought relates to them the most and just say, hey, I thought you might like this. You never know. It could be that little thing that helps them reach back out again and feel like they're part of a group. I don't know. Look, we want to reach as many people as possible with these stories and we just want to remind people that they're not alone. That's the whole point of the One Together podcast is reminding you that we are one together. So look, let's get back to the conversation. And I just want to say thank you again for choosing to stay with us because we love having you part of our one team. When I was at Kibra, I used to, I actually used to, I'd get home and I'd have a shower straight away. Like mm. um, you know, we lived in like a pretty derelict house mm. um, and I'd get home and I would wash my school uniform and my undies, like in my socks and everything that in day. In the shower? In the shower. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did and that I'd, too. And I'd hang them up in my room yeah. and I'd, 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 so they were ready for the next And you try to like hang them like as far away from anything as you can because it's usually <laughs> got like bugs or shit yeah. or something. Yeah. Like, and yeah. the, your shirt will flap in the wind yeah. and then it will hit the wall and the wall's dirty and then it gets, oh, it's just ridiculous. And it doesn't, doesn't matter. For some reason you cannot get clean when mm. you live in housing yeah. conditions. You just cannot get clean. It's the yeah. worst. But, yeah, like I, I don't know about you, but I had to say goodbye to so many amazing people that if I hadn't met them I wouldn't be where I am today. But I had to say goodbye to them because I knew I wanted to do more and I knew that if I, if I didn't do it I wouldn't be able to reach other people and potentially help other people who were going through yeah. something similar. Yeah. And it's like, you know, we, you know, someone might even be listening right now and you're sitting there and you're hearing this story going, I am literally in that position right now yeah. where if I don't say goodbye to these people, yeah. I'm not going to get to the next stage of healing and creating something for myself. And the truth is you just, yeah, you actually just have to bite the bullet and do it and it sucks. But at the end of the day, if they're going to look after themselves, they will follow you. Yeah. They will do the work too. Yeah. There's nothing worse than realising you can't save someone. Yeah, 100%. And like I've, you know, I'm about to, we've got, I've got one of my brother's, yeah, many of them. <laughs> um, I've got one of my brothers 
coming up um, next weekend to spend time with Luce and I. And he's, mm. you know, I get real guilty and I go, oh, I'm fucking so sorry I had to leave you. I'm so sorry I left you in, in that mess. And he's like, you had to, you had to fight for yourself, Dallas. Like you had to go and do, you had to look after you. Like mm. I, I understand that. But what I haven't realised and what he's educated to me is he's watched me go through my journey um, shout out to Facebook. Thanks for that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's I've actually like paved a way for him without even having to do it. So, wow. um, so like you know, there's Jai and then my younger brother, my youngest brother Sean. Um, you know, Jai you know hasn't missed a day of work. Works six days a week. Hasn't missed a day of work in like three years. You know, has his own car, has a license, everything. Like mm. has absolutely nothing. So, his mum was the the lady that cooks together with my dad, so I kind of inherited him. Um, <laughs> um, and, you know, I paved the way for him where our youngest brother, Sean, like he became our dad. Like he's 25 and he's getting out of jail for the third time at Christmas and he's a full-blown heroin addict. Oh, and that's, no. that hurts me as well because you, you want to save them all, but I had to save myself and I'm still saving myself. You know, mm. I'm still going through I'm still going through the motions. Um and like I got really upset the other day talking to him on the phone. I'm like, I'm so sorry. Like I'm so sorry I left you. Like I should have taken you with me. And he's just like, um, you you had to go look after yourself. Like it's all good. But you've you, you have shown me that I can do better with my life. Mm. But I have to remove myself, and I had to remove myself from it. Yeah. And that's what he's done. So yeah, it's 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 hard. It's definitely hard because you do want to say like I've got a pretty big heart. I, I'll help anyone, and, mm-hmm. and I try and help everyone. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day. You've got to help yourself first. Oh, you yeah. must always help yourself first. Even if it's siblings, I completely agree. Yeah. I, yeah, my older sister and I, we're not close anymore. And, man, I wish I wish we were. Like I just, I just think she's the best thing since sliced bread. But it's one of those things where I think you go through such hard times, you end up with like PTSD and you see mm. each other again and it's like you go back into the trenches and you're fighting the war again. Yeah. And the next thing you know, you're fighting people that aren't even really against you. They're actually for you. Yeah. And, um. I mean, her and I both have made some stupid decisions along the way, but I guess it's, you know, she's going through her own stuff at the moment. But I remember there were times when we were teenagers where she would make decisions to continue to stay in a really unhealthy pattern and I would just have to sit and wait and I would just have to wait and watch her go through it and watch her sort through it and work out whether or not she was going to come through the other side and it was, oh, man, you you'd want to step in and you'd want to say something, but you knew that if you did, all you were going to do is make them mad. Yeah, tarnish the relationship. And it's funny because on the flip side of that, I didn't go through my destructive phase until my mid to late 20s. And it's funny, I actually didn't do it until after I finished doing a show. Like I went on that Bachelor reality show and I came out the other side of that thinking, oh, I'm in a really good place. Mm. And in actual fact, I was in the worst place ever. I actually went on that show to blow up my career. I went on that show mm. because I didn't want to have to try hard anymore. I was exhausted. I didn't want to keep fighting for something mm. and I didn't know that's what I was doing. I thought if I go on this show, people are going to hate me because it's reality TV and everyone in Australia hates tall poppy syndrome and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, great, it would be a great way to just become an accountant and never worry about it again. Yeah. But instead I went on it and Australia went, oh, you're actually a really good person. And I went, no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm a piece of shit. Hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. what's happening? Yeah. It was very confusing. Yeah. So when that didn't happen, 
I look back on it and I realised I ended up dating someone who was really, really bad for me and I'm sure you can contest to this. When you date people who you know appeal to that toxic part of your personality, the part of you that wants to fall apart and create shitty situations and drama and all that stuff and, like, he loved to party and go out and get fucked up and I didn't do any of that stuff. Yeah. And I tried to, like, keep it at bay and keep that part of me at bay that didn't want to blow everything up but instead... I'd invite him to film sets with me and there'd be drama and I'd be in tears and, you know, you could see the producers, like especially at Channel 10, producers would just be looking at me like, are you fucking kidding? Mm. Why are you bringing that here? This is your place of work. And I didn't realise it. I was just trying to like sabotage it like you were saying with the football stuff. It's like you're so scared of like succeeding that you start doing things to actively blow it up. And it was only just when I turned like 29, 30 that I stopped doing that. And what I think caused a riff with my sister and I is that she tried to stop me from doing it. She could see me doing it and was like trying to like control it. And it's like, no, I need to go through this. I need to. Stay here. Stay in the comfort zone. Yeah. 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 And it's like, no, man, I just need to blow this up myself. Like Mm. don't. Don't try and control it. There's no point. What you're going to yeah. do is piss me off and piss yourself off. And yeah. I don't know, maybe one day we'll be close again, but it's just like with your brother who's, you know, in an actual physical jail. It's like you end up yeah. in your own metaphorical fucking psychological jail of doom where you're like, I'm yeah. going to destroy my life and you can't stop me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just try and stand in my way. Yeah. I'm yeah. blowing this shit up. That's kind of why I don't drink. When I, um, yeah. Especially when I was younger, I would drink and my friends used to call it, oh, Dallas is making friends again. And it's, yeah, Dallas has punched the fuck out of someone in the corner or uh, yeah, yeah. T- taking on the world because I would drink and obviously alcohol being a depressant and I would just turn into a righteous piece of shit. I'd just be like, look at you, you're fucking fat, you're ugly or look at your head, you're wow. horrible. So, but like obviously you fast forward now and I go, Ooh, I, I hated myself that much. Ooh, that was me just talking about myself. I wasn't oh, actually yeah. talking to you. Oh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't it strange? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, such yeah. A, it's a mind blower, that one. Yeah, yeah. I've, I can definitely feel you there. I um, I ended up getting um, – I'm having the biggest Me Too moment with you today. It's crazy. I ended up, like, living on the northern beaches for a while in my, like, late teens, early 20s, and I became known as, like, my, my nickname up there was Dawn because my middle name was Dawn. And I was rageous. Like we would go out on weekends and I would have competitions with the boys to see who could do the most vodka Red Bulls in an hour. And I used to nail it every time. I'm talking 10 to 12 vodka Red Bulls in an hour and wake up the next morning not hungover because I come from such a long line of, you know, shitty drinking people that, you know, you just wake up the next morning and you're completely fine. And it's like, no, no, that's. That's called binge drinking. That's not good for you. Well, I don't like like I don't like the way alcohol makes me feel. Um, me too. I don't like being slowed down. No, it keeps me out of my groove. Um, yeah. But I lost all four of my grandparents to alcoholism. So holy crap! Yeah, yeah, all four of them. It's fucking mental. Um, mm. So because I don't, I don't like drinking at all, do I? No. Sometimes you will have a glass of red wine and you'll enjoy like a couple of sips and then you'll get. And it, it also triggers your, like, anger and stuff, I think. Mm, yeah. Makes you a bit cranky. Well, no, actually. Like, yeah, definitely back in the day, 100%. I, I just get tired and I'm just like, oh, you slowed me down and I feel like I've been unproductive, so I've got to go to bed now. Like, he doesn't know he yeah. gets cranky, does he? <laughs> he gets cranky at me for drinking. <laughs> oh, do, oh, really? I can't yeah. stand okay. I can't stand the smell of alcohol in someone else's breath. So, like, one, like, oh, Especially one like, Especially, yeah. like, if... 
if you know, it, it definitely reminds me of my my, my grandma, but definitely mm. my my stepmom is that the alcohol on her breath and her like yelling in my face mm. and like mm. it just instantly takes you back to the just days of abuse. Triggers me, yeah. Mm. I'm just like the fucking breath out of my face. So mm. in saying that, then, um, do you want to get into your ways of? Um, how you sort of because I've got so many questions on how you deal with everything that's happened to you yeah. and your ways of coping. But before yeah. we do that, would mm. you like a drink of something? Would you like a coffee or a tea? Or are you happy with your hydrating <laughs> water? Go water. Lovely. Yeah. I like to be accommodating yeah, and very nice. people that's feel beautiful. like they're at home. <laughs> yeah, that and I have sparkly cups. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> they're unicorn mugs. <laughs> yeah. They have gold fleckles in them yeah. and they make me feel rich when fleckles. I'm not. <laughs> here, I mean, in pot, here in Pots Point, here in Pots over Point. The, the beautiful, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if you've noticed yet, but like we're in amongst the trees, like right on the harbour. We've got uh, like Sydney Harbour Bridge yeah. right behind mm. Dallas there and every now and again you can just hear the seaplanes going overhead mm-hmm. and then like all the rosellas and all the beautiful like, you know, ocean birds. Just There's one. She's absolutely, Get it, girl. She's absolutely struggling here. Oh, it's yeah. good. It's a tough gig. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> From Housing Commission and living yeah. in cars yeah. to yeah. Potts Point. Yeah. I feel like people in Potts Point are like, who are you? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, hey, girl. <laughs> uh, I think you fit in pretty well here. It's very oh, yeah. um, camp, Thanks, and, camp and flamboyant here. Yeah. So, yeah. You know yeah. that that cupboard is actually a bed. Yeah. Oh, oh. hell yeah. yeah. I lo- I, see, like. We have dogs now, but I I love I love like New York style living like this. Me like, too. I, I, oh, I love it. Because it's just like because you, you, you can only have what you need. You don't yes, like stuff. Exactly. Like, you hate stuff. I hate stuff. Oh my yeah. god, I'm the same. Yeah. I hate clutter. I'm always cleaning shit out. It I'm must like, be a housing commission. Oh. Well, maybe it is. God had sent me a test. Her name is Lucy Jane. <laughs> <laughs> I love stuff. <laughs> I love stuff. Because I've never seen a single human being with more. Shit, clothes. Clo- I'm t- like clothes is not. Hey, don't. That's not no, don't. No. Yeah, we will I'll, fight this. I will. Like, I'll, I'll fight. I don't think you understand. You got one body. You got In one the, pair of feet. So that kitchen, right? Those cupboards are meant to be for like you know household storage. <laughs> all three cupboards on that one side, all clothing. Yep. All clothing. Yep. Those two cupboards there. All clothing and accessories. Yep. I've, growing like growing up in uh, in. Squalor, yeah, and shit, and fucking stuff being everywhere. Oh, it's the worst. I have to have order, neatness. Like I'm looking yeah. at this, going, I love this. I can deal with this. Right, like, it's, this is cool. Do you know what's bugging me yeah. right now? Whenever I set up the podcast studio, the cables. I oh, hate. Yeah. I, I I hate that they're not Don't look at them perfect. Either. I have to. I'm, that's why I'm like always looking up. I'm <laughs> yeah, like, hey, hey, girl. I'm so. I'm exactly, I can't. I'm exactly really, like really that. Really annoys me. Even like when I'm at like got my my mouse in my laptop or whatever else, like everything has to be hidden and tucked mm. away and has perfect balance and structure. I have a theory that um, people with anxiety cope better if they live in a household that's very organized yeah. and by that I don't mean like regimented where you're like I'm going to brush my teeth at this time and then I'm going to shower at this time and then I'm going to dress at this time it's like I mean more like if your house is organized and things are put away where you like them to be you always take, seem, take, take notes please you I don't know it's like you always <laughs> seem to like you feel calmer it's like your brain is able to compartmentalize what's happening in your life Lucy Lucy took bowls she's taken a couple of bowls to um oh, here we go to work. <laughs> <laughs> and I went to have I made curry for the other night and I was like she's like you can have the big bowl and I'll have the small bowl and I was like why don't we just both have big bowls and she's like I've taken them to work and I'm like oh, no. oh. lost my shit because yeah. because like 
I'm eating out of a white bowl, she's eating out of a black bowl and they're not the same size and not, not knowing that they're not there to be able to be used just it's the worst. Sends me off. It's actually, yeah, yeah I'm, I feel Triggered. you, man. It's the containers. I hate when people borrow. Don't borrow my container, A, if you're not going to bring it back because I like my containers, B, lose the lid. If you lose a lid, throw out the base. Don't put me through it because I don't need the time trying to find the base for it. Yeah. Or C, take the base somewhere and leave a lid lying around but the base still exists yep. somewhere else in the house. I just can't find it or you leave it dirty in a car mm. somewhere. Yep. I can't, I can't, I just, I can't. My fridge, like if you look in my little bar fridge right now, all my food is pre-prepped and put into containers so that it's like clicked shut so that when wow. I make dinner I can just chop it all up, put it in and it's done. Like <laughs> I don't see you do- doing it. What? <laughs> So containers left to do it. Oh, right. <laughs> such a brand. So he like his big thing is he likes being taken care of. So which is really nice. Yeah. But you like me doing the cooking and doing the shopping and stuff. That makes you feel I do it until you until you do it. I'm but then like, it's the criticism of how I Well, do it. it's like I'm like, you just made fucking meat and free vegetables. How is there? There's just shit everywhere. Because I'm <laughs> like, like, I'm like, I use something, wash it. Yeah. Use something, wash I'm, it. I'm like, the same. I, I honestly think that I think because you and I have grown up in such shitty backgrounds, mm, yeah. it's like you can't handle mess. It's like you mm. just want it to be clean. Like before you guys came over, I vacuumed and I tidied and I made sure that all the dishes were dried and put away. Greatly like, appreciated. Yeah. It's, it, it, if there's <laughs> stuff around, it's like your brain just can't compute it. It's so mm. stressful. But it's funny. It's not a guy. It's not because you're a man, Dallas, that you want Luz to look after you. I, I have the same thing mm. with my partner. If my partner goes food shopping for me, that is the most romantic thing mm. any partner can do for me. Mm. It's just... Because food shopping, it's just laden with anxiety. There's so many people, the shopping trolleys, the kids' prams, oh, this the fucking decisive, the indecisive people who pick up a tomato and go, oh, I don't know if I want that. <laughs> um, excuse me, do you have any of those Roman tomatoes? And then you're standing there going, just pick a goddamn tomato before I stab you. That makes you. so much sense now. It's, yeah, it's too much. Because one- you hate food shopping, like going with me. Only if it's quick, you like going. Yes. If it's quick and you know what yeah. you're doing and you've got a list and then you can mm. just go down but the But he aisles. gets like 10 minutes in and he's like, i got to get out of here. Yeah, I can't go. deal with it either. Mm. It does my head in. I once had, mm. you can try this actually, it'd be quite cute for the two of you because you're a giant man. Um, <laughs> you, you're the one with the anxiety. So you're holding the trolley with your hands really close together right in the middle of it. And then the other person is around the outside of you with their hands on the either side of the trolley. So you're kind of like inside it. Oh. And then they push the trolley around. So then you can be there and you can like do the shopping together. Mm. This is how I actually warmed myself up to enjoying food shopping. Mm. I would get the person I was going with to to sort of be like a shield on the outside. I mean, that's going to be very difficult for you too because yeah. Luce is a big stretch. Quite tiny. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you're a huge, huge man. But you could, yeah. yeah. I mean, hey, no judgment. See, I'm, <laughs> I I love the idea and I reckon Lucy would back herself as well to get get her big oh, arms I'd around do me. It. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um yeah, like I'm I'm very set. Like there's no browsing or anything. It's like everything has to serve the purpose. Like if you're going there to get A, B, C, D, and E, well, what's the quickest route to A, B, C, D, and E? Mm -hmm. But now what I'm learning from only doing the quickest route to A, B, C, and D, especially with what I do for work, like I work in business development, is that if you always take the quickest and the same route, you never know what's 
Mm. Oh, oh, the you other room. Yeah, yeah. How annoying so, is it um, when you realise that you've missed out on so many things because you were so regimented in how you did stuff. You're like, oh, buff. Yeah. All yeah. right, I'll change, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, it's crazy because Clarissa's family home is like organised chaos, but it's mm. like they don't sweat the small shit at all. Like, the, like her mum, her sister, her dad, like her, like. Her, her whole family, they leave the microwave door open and drawers. <laughs> what do you mean? Yeah, yeah. And it's just like, why don't you shut it? And they're like, you just got to open it again. I'm like, yeah, fair call, cool, but fucking shut it. It's lazy. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, and, and, and it, like, obviously when I was, when I, when I was staying there with them, um, mm. I had to really, really adapt to the fact that they just didn't, Give a fuck or look twice at it. It was just like, man, it's a fucking microwave door. Okay, it was open or yeah. not. Do you know what I mean? It's just like we've got more important things to do, like Sudoku or go swim five k. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a line up some numbers, y'all. Yeah, yeah. Lucy, Lucy's mum gets her fitness in and then gets her brain power stuff in straight away. So, yeah. Um, but like, wow. yeah. So, and and I'm I'm doing my best. Like, I, I'm doing my absolute best. Mm. But it's like you've got you know 34 years of hard wiring. Yeah. You're really good now, though, because you realise, like, he's, like, you'll snap or something will happen, but very, very quick to go, okay, I know why I just did that. It's because of X, Y, Z in the past. Like, he's, like, he, you know, and that's been a big learning curve, I think, for us both is meshing in together and knowing why you might snap over something. And because we have such different ways of looking at the world, like, I'm quite relaxed about, like, mess and... I don't know, like lots of things don't bother me that would bother him. So it's about meshing together and trying to accommodate you, but then also you trying to loosen up yeah. as well. Yeah, 100%. Like obviously as a team you have to kind of respect the other person's, you know, thought process and mindset and try and meet somewhere in the middle. But mm. I guess the biggest contributing factor to that <laughs> is just hard work on yourself. Like I I read a lot of books. I you know, talk to a lot of people that are smarter than me. Um, you know, that old analogy of being the dumbest person in the room, I've embraced that because every all my friends and everyone I hang out with, you know, selves a person of example. It's like, mm. you know, I, I haven't, you know, got the knowledge of Sel's toenail, do you know what I mean? Like he's just such a... Oh, he's such a smart man. Yeah, but like, and, you know, just his breadth and his depth and his scope on things, but he's, and he's just such a cool customer as well. But... Mm. Um, Always be the dumbest in the room. Always, you know, always having people to, to to push you to do better. But actually taking time to understand it's not the action of Lucy, and it's not the action of any anyone else that is triggering me. It's the the subconscious and what's happened prior. Yeah, it's that, your brain that, predicting that, that from, now. It's like boom, yeah. boom, 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 and that's, that's that's wild. That's the cool thing. The cool mm. thing is like. The present thing, for example, like you know, the, like getting angry about receiving presents, and then going, oh, hold on a second, this I isn't even about you. I don't, <laughs> I don't know how to accept a gift. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All love. Crazy. So yeah, but that's that's hard work and surrounding yourself with good people. Um, yeah, I've got lots of people in all different walks of life, and I'm just amazed by you know the the caliber of people that I have in my life and. Obviously, you've got to. I think they say you can only have like 150 people tops in your life at one time. Like that's kind of like the brain maxed out, like your ability to have 
you know, and service those people and kind of a tiering system. And obviously, Lucy would be like a tier one person for me. Oh. You're tier one. You're, oh, tier, well one. you're, you're tier one. How awkward if he said tier three? <laughs> well, it like, does oh, go shit. the two dogs, then me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ron and Milo, then Liz. I um, find that very hard to believe yeah. by how this oh. man's been talking about you. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I, like, I guess I've had fucked up shit happen to me. But it's also made me a really, really strong character in who I am and always searching for better that I've mm. kind of found myself in the positions that I found myself in. So what do you do when you get in it? Because, like, I'm going to make a guess here, an educated guess. Tell me if I'm wrong. But when you go into those parts of you where you start to feel like you are still a piece of shit and that you can't do it and you're not smart and you don't know what you're doing and maybe there's something wrong with you and you should just give up and walk away and be fucked up like your parents and blah, blah, blah and all that crap that gets said in your brain that usually lives somewhere around the front and the, you know, the beautiful white-lighted being at the back that's going, don't listen. (laughs) (laughs) How do you get yourself out of that place? Even today, you know, we both know that we both have those moments and you just fall back into it. What do you do? What is your way? Um, Well, I guess a a big thing for me is, you know, not every action needs a reaction. So when I react to something, and especially when it's in a in an aggressive, I like know, that. You know, not every action needs a reaction. Yeah, when I, geez, that's good. When I, well, you know, two things. When I react in a in a in a way where it becomes quite, I get a tone in my voice and I feel the adrenaline, mm. or the look on Lucy's face, um, or or someone's face, like a body language or a facial expression. It just triggers to me, and I and I I put a I put a stop on it. And you know, time's a beautiful thing that I've never been able to appreciate until you know the latter parts of my life, where you you got to stop and you got to pause, and then you got to reroute it. Like mm-hmm. you you need to reroute what naturally is coming to you and go, okay, what's happened? Why am I feeling like this? What's happened? What's happened before? Why are you reacting to this? Yeah. And it's kind of just. You know, looking at from where you are and looking back at it and then mm-hmm. making your way back through the maze to the present and then you, I'm sorry, or yeah. I'm doing this yeah. because I've had a similar I've situation. Had this shit happen, yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. Yeah. yeah. It's not actually about you, my bad. It's, yeah. it's my stuff. Oh, like, am I right? You know, like, whoa, just whoa. What do you say about a story like that? How do you even begin to understand and reassure someone who has been through something that epic and yet he is not a victim in any way. He owns his stuff. He owns the life that he is living and embraces everything that comes his way. I am in awe of this person. I am in awe of his girlfriend, Lucy. What an amazing woman she is as well. And their banter is hilarious. And I am going to need a very solid lie down after that incredible conversation. But before we all break for tea and strumpets, we need to make sure that we share the links to Centrelink. You know, should you be finding yourself in a tight spot at the moment, there is no shame in needing help. We have to thank Dallas for being so strong and sharing his mind and heart with us so that we can learn from his experiences. But most importantly, if you have a friend or loved one that could be going through this, maybe share his story, you know, share this podcast with them because it could really help them get on a different track, you know. So look, if you'd like to follow Dallas on socials or get in touch with him, he is on Insta at Dallas J Stone. He's a wonderful man and a great role model for young men feeling a little lost. And maybe he could help them figure out what they need. 
Make sure you stay in touch with us as well on the OneTogetherPodcast.com website. Otherwise, you can get us via email at OneTogetherPodcast at gmail.com. We're always wanting your feedback and we will share your comments and questions should you wish. Otherwise, if there was someone you want to get on or have your own story, that is the best way to get a hold of us. But you can also get a hold of me directly on my social media, which is Heather underscore Maltman. That's on Instagram or Heather Maltman official is the one on Facebook because clearly I'm very official. Like I should definitely be running for prime minister because I would nail it. Actually, I probably would do a lot better than the people that are there at the moment, but no judgment. Do what you can. The YouTube channel is um, just my name again. It is Heather Maltman, which you clearly have not heard enough of. And you can also make sure to like and subscribe to one of our nine platforms so that you can continue listening to our podcast each week. So just remember, One Together Podcast is the podcast reminding you that one is in fact not the loneliest number because one plus one is two, my friend. And then it multiplies from there. I know. I know. I'm a modern day Yoda. It's, It's a gift. I'll just, I'll catch you next week. See ya.